Hello and welcome to the Find Your Flow radio show podcast. I'm your host, Winston Wittes, and I'm here today with a very special episode. Today's episode is The Ten Principles of Burning Man. The Ten Principles of Burning Man. All right, so I was thinking about Burning Man a little bit ago. I was thinking about some of the some of the experiences I've had there, I went, I've only been three times and it's been a number of years, but some of those experiences last a lifetime. I think we can all agree for those of us who've been there. So today I wanted to reflect on some of those and society and culture, because I think there are some things within the culture of Burning Man that are super powerful as an individual for myself personally and i think that as a culture society that we could maybe learn from and so i wanted to share those today and i pulled up the website burningman.org and went to the philosophical center 10 principles just to be able to have this and kind of go through it and thank you for listening if you're new to the show i appreciate you taking the time to check it out hopefully you get some goodness and flowingness and awesomeness out of this and if you're a long-time listener, thanks for, for coming back, friend. So um, I first learned about Burning Man probably back in 19, in the early 90s, I guess, if just without thinking too hard about it. Um, when did it start? Let's see. Maybe I should uh, find that. But anyway, basically back when it was first starting, and the reason being a friend of, uh, oh, 1989, wow. So yeah, maybe maybe close to that year. Um, I lived in Los Angeles County in Van Nuys, for those of you familiar with the Valley, and we had a neighbor who was deep into it, and I think still is actually, And um, my dad and him would talk, and my dad, you know, is a Deadhead, a Grateful Dead fan, and that was the first concert uh, my my brother and I went to was a Grateful Dead concert in in Los Angeles. But uh, so him and him and this gentleman, um, Paul by name, I'll throw it out there, Paul, in case he happens to get word of this uh, this podcast. So, um, so yeah, so he was a really cool guy. You know, he had two daughters that were about our ages. And so we became, us kids became good friends. And, you know, they, uh, the parents became friends. And, you know, occasionally we'd get together for some things. And so it was fun. It was really cool. And I remember him talking about, oh, this thing, Burning Man, you know, and uh, just telling us about it. And it sounded so cool, even back then as a kid. And my dad, you know, thought it sounded cool. And, uh, so that was my first, I, I remember just hearing it sounded just amazing. And then many years later, as a teenager, well, I guess as a young adult, probably, I think the first time I went was in, um, I think I went 2004, 2006, and 2008, or 2006, 2010, 2012. I could probably figure that out too. While we're here, I have a computer in front of me, which is cool because... I used to do the show recording it while I was driving. And so I would always be just, you know, shooting from the hip and I'm not a very detail oriented person in general. So especially when it comes to like timelines and dates and stuff, not my strength. So 2006, I don't know if that's the one, but anyway, I'll, I'll work on that in the background, but it's cool that I am able to look at look things up when I'm thinking of them 
but maybe that'll slow down the stream of thought. So I won't spend too much time doing that, so I can only really do one thing at once. So let's just go through the 10 principles and get to the parts that I was thinking about because because they were cool. All right, so radical inclusion is the first one. So anyone may be a part of Burning Man. We, and I'm reading this right off the site. Larry Harvey, the co-founder, wrote these 10 principles in 2004 as a guide, as guidelines for the newly formed regional network. Yeah, so if you've ever been to any regionals, um, like the decompression parties, any of that, I think those are some somewhat associated with it. And I remember doing one of those, I think, in... Uh, Northern California, I want to say, in San Francisco area once upon a time ago. Anyway, um, we welcome and respect the stranger. No prerequisites exist for participation in our community. So that's pretty cool. Everybody's invited. Everybody is welcome. And for the most part, I experienced that each of the times that I went. That was really neat just to be able to go and you know, be, be oneself was something that I definitely felt a lot of people embrace that and I think that's something that in the general culture of the world uh, at large is generally a good thing you know being it I think that's one of the neat things about you know I'm an American I'm here in America I know I have international listeners so welcome and thank you I appreciate you here in America and I haven't traveled worldly very much so I'm forgive any ignorance that I speak um one of the neat things from my personal opinion and experience of the U.S. is this idea of the melting pot, right, where you get these people from all over the world come here and bring their cultures and share and get along and can do their thing and hustle and freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and these are, I believe, good things. So I think being welcoming and respectful of other people and uh, being willing and able to learn from other people I think is really cool. And so the second one, gifting. Burning Man is devoted to acts of gift giving. The value of a gift is unconditional. Unconditional. Gifting does not contemplate a return or an exchange for something of equal value. This was one of the big ones that I wanted to touch on today, I guess, was this idea of um, – I don't know if you've heard the term 5D, you know, 5D world where – ascending there's this idea in some circles about this ascension process for humans right we're evolving we're transcending we're ascending and this idea for me of gifting that was one thing that i think is really cool because in an experience that i had i'll share a couple different ones i think um this idea of giving without without the need to reciprocate right then and there and in, I think in our culture, at least in my culture, that where I grew up independently, you know, in my own personal experiences, and I, I would guess for a lot of us, there's this, this exchange of, um, you know, I'll give you this trading, right? Like, I'll give you this if you give me that, tit for tat kind of thing, right? And, or however you say that. And then being able to have it pretty pretty quickly, right? It, like, I'm going to give it to you, you're going to give it right back to me, or we're going to exchange and shake hands, and, and it's a done deal. Whereas this idea, I think, of in the Burning Man culture of gifting is it's giving without the expectation of getting something back, right? It's just giving for the pure love and, and joy of giving. 
And seeing that and experiencing that both from a receiving point, as a receiving point, I think for a lot of us, and I know for myself, that it's, that could be challenging, right? Like someone gives us even something like a compliment, which is free, right? It doesn't cost anything to give someone a compliment, but instantly it's like, oh, oh, like Winston, you, your hair looks good today. Oh, thanks. So does yours. Or, oh, I like your shoes. Or, you know, like instantly feeling the need to pay it back, right? And instead of just owning it and being thankful, oh, thanks so much. I appreciate that. Yeah, I cut it myself, <laughs> right? Um, and, you know, if it's something else, even if it's like a gift, a physical gift where somebody paid money for it, then I think for a lot of us, it's even more of a like, oh my gosh, I got to go get this person something now because they gave me something. And that culture is, you know, it plays out in some interesting ways. Like here in, again, in the United States, the holidays, the holidays are upon us. This is, I'm recording this in November. No, it's December. Jeez Louise, it's December. So we're having, you know, these holidays like Christmas coming up and maybe you've got boxing, you know, day and these whole things that have become so, and, you know, I'm getting to the underlying paganism of, of this and Burning Man, uh, maybe possibly in this episode, maybe not, but um, how these things have become so much about giving gifts. And we moved, my family and I moved recently from San Diego, California out to, we're in Texas now. So we're away physically from our whole family, Elena's family, my family. And so it's, you know, during the holidays, it would be like, okay, we're going to go. And when I was a kid, when I was younger, it's was like, all right, we're going to go see family one, now family two, now family three, right? We'd see three or four families in, in a day or two, um, you know, throughout the, the area, throughout Los Angeles and through, um, yeah, mostly Los Angeles. That's where our family mostly was. And then as we got a little older, you know, some in San Diego, and then we moved to San Diego, and then we had family still in LA, so we'd go back and forth, you know, and it was this whole circus. I mean, of course I loved it. It's, you know, good seeing family. It was just a lot. Right. And there was gifts. We always had to get gifts and give gifts and, or we got to give gifts and, and receive gifts, you know? Um, and yet as we got older, it, it did become kind of burden burdensome. It's like, okay, once we got to the age where it's like, all right, you know, we really got it. We can't just be taking gifts. We got to be giving people gifts and now we got to reciprocate, right? That's what I was looking for reciprocation. And it's like this guilt almost, right? Like, oh, these people are going to give us gifts. So we have to have gifts ready for them. And, you know, I'll be honest throughout different periods of my life, I was not financially in a place where that was always easy. You know, it it could be stressful, super stressful. It's like, oh man, we're gonna have to spend hundreds of dollars to even just get like some useless trinkets for everybody who we know is gonna be giving us some, you know, trinkets or better. And now we're gonna be inundated with a bunch of stuff we don't necessarily need. Plus we're gonna be out hundreds of dollars. It's like, who the heck came up with this? Oh, people who sell stuff, marketers, great. Yeah, right? Um, and that, I don't, you know, I, I'll just be honest. I don't think it's great. I don't think it's a great habit. And this idea of gifting though, when I experienced it at Burning Man was really cool because it's like believing in the bigger community and the bigger exchange of energy at a higher level. That's the way I experience it. And I think one way that I would say it, and that's where I think it gets into that kind of like 5D next level consciousness, if you will. 
where vibration frequency, right? If we're thinking like if we could tune in and we do tune in, if we if we have our five physical senses and our sixth sense, if you believe in that, if you know how to access that, uh, our five physical senses, though, it's like, okay, eyes can see certain bands of light. And there are certain bands of light outside of our, out of our range that still exist, but they don't exist for us. So we are unaware of them for the most part, right? Dogs can see or maybe can't see as many as we can, but they can smell more. They have a wider range of scent than most humans do uh, and, and a higher range of frequencies for pitch, for hearing, right? That we, they hear pitches that a lot of us don't hear. So there's whole other dimensions that we are unaware of because our, we're, if we're only limited to our five senses, only aware of our five senses and everything for the most part in our culture here in the West, really reinforces those senses and makes us very sensual oriented or, you know, oriented on like, hey, this is reality. This is all there is. It's this physical. I can look it. I can see it. I can touch it. I can taste it. This is it. There's nothing outside of this. Science doesn't say that there that anything outside of this exists. Okay. Well, I'm sure that that's cool for some people. There's a lot of people that I know that, that kind of buy into that religion and that philosophy um, and and think that that's all there is. But that's only because they haven't experienced it for themselves. And even people sometimes who have experienced it for themselves, they kind of get it beaten out of them, right? Just by like worn down into like, oh, okay, well, I guess if I want to participate in society, I have to kind of dumb myself down or like believe this because this seems to be what everybody else believes. And, you know, I, I feel like I had an experience once upon a time ago, but maybe I just imagined it, right? Like it almost can get some of us to second guess our own experiences, which is crazy. So gifting and what I think is, so also coincidence, I think is and serendipity ties into this at a higher level. Like I like to think sometimes of the universe as a self solving Rubik's cube, you know, it's this idea of this consciousness becoming itself and more through us and to those of us who are more open to it and flowing with it and conscious and aware of it, we can interact more at a higher level with it and, and be bigger vessels of that positive flow of energy and consciousness, stream of consciousness. And, you know, to those of us who maybe are at different stages in our own evolution, you know, more or less so, but still a part of the whole bigger piece of it, right? And so the gifting thing for me was cool because it was like, you know, having, seeing things happen coincidentally in real time, right? Where it's like, oh, this cool story that comes to mind. We happened to meet these guys and they came from somewhere and is their first Burning Man experience. And they planned on, <laughs> they built a solar oven, right? Because it, it gets hot out there and there's the sun. And so their whole plan for food for the whole week was that they were going to use this solar oven and bake bread, right? They brought like <laughs> flour and water and maybe like yeast, or maybe they're going to eat like unleavened bread, like, you know, like Jewish people leaving uh, uh, Egypt, right? They're going to bake it on the back of their, on their backs and it's going to be flat unleavened bread. I don't remember if you have yeast or not, but it was like, that was basically their plan it was like, they're going to go out there, they're going to bake bread in the solar oven and they're going to survive off that for a week. Well, day one, <laughs> like the thing doesn't work, right? It's like they didn't, they didn't make it well enough. So it wasn't holding in the heat, wasn't heating the bread, wasn't, they were going to starve. <laughs> okay. So it was like this horrible thing all of a sudden from day one or their day one. I don't think they made it to day one of Burning Man because um, then 
coincidentally, there is this other camp, these folks that they ended up camping right by who were like, ah, we're leaving early. And they had this whole thing full of food and they just gift it to these guys. So suddenly these guys go from like, oh, darn, we're, you know, going to starve to death on the desert to, oh my gosh, we have a, an abundance of food, like miraculous food, right? And it was free. You know, there was no way for these guys to repay these people. They were probably never going to see them again. And yet there was no expectation of it, right? <sighs> Gives me the tingles. It's good stuff. So that's like the magic, I feel like. That's the magic of, of being able to give freely. And I know people like that. And that's something I strive to do, but honestly, that's, I'm not great at it. You know, that's definitely not something I would consider myself that great at yet. And it's something I, I strive toward, but that's really, that's one really cool example. I remember of that. And then just different little things, just like, you know, I've still got a couple little gifts people gave me from, you know, from being just rolling around the playa that were just cool gifts that people make little gifts to give out. And I think that's really neat. And then experiences was another thing. People invest so much time and money into creating art and creating experiences for other people. And sometimes they're working a year or more on these things. And then to get them out there is no joke. And then to build these things out in the desert. So there's so much time and energy that would go into these things. It was just mind blowing to me every time. And something I really appreciated and tried to do also with uh, some of the stuff that I did. So that was a big one. Gifting, I think, is kind of, in a sense, a, a blueprint or a mini experiment of sorts of how culture can, how society and people who are open to this idea of the 5D world and, you know, navigating and ascending and this kind of thing, I kind of feel like that's part of it at some level, right? Is just giving without the expectation of receiving back. Char I don't know if charity falls into that. Maybe it does. Um, yeah, I guess it kind of could, right? So that was a big one for me. I wanted to share that with you. And uh, let's see here. Demodification. In order to preserve the spirit of gifting, our community seeks to create social environments that are unmediated by commercial sponsorships, transactions, or advertising. Yeah, that's cool. We stand ready to protect our culture from such exploitation. We resist the substitution of consumption for participatory experience. And that is uh, right in line, like they say there, with gifting, which I think is really neat. Excuse me. Um... Oh, I just caught some weird flash outside out of the corner of my eye. Bizarre. I'm on the second story now here. So there's, and there's, yeah, that was weird. Um, demodification. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one for me. I love it because, because our culture again here in the West, I can only speak from my own perspective is all about that. And I've fallen into that. And I'm, you know, here I'm doing this, this podcast, right? And it's like the find your flow podcast and I'm branding myself, the find your flow guy. And, you know, there's all this behind it and with it, it's like, it's like understanding the game of, of business and marketing and money to an extent, which is an important part of society in this society that I live in and probably possibly in the one you live in, unless you, you know, live in 
a community that's off the grid or something like that, at some point, a lot of us deal with money and with commerce, right? Like exchanging things, bartering is, I guess, kind of a, well, I guess then you're back to that whole like exchanging, right? It's not gifting, it's exchanging. And there has to, even at Burning Man, you know, you do buy, there's two things for sale, coffee and ice, right? Because even in is much of a bubble that's created in that experience, there's still those ties to civilization that kind of require some level of exchange, right? Value exchange. And how do we measure that value? Well, if it's not straight bartering, you know, if I've got coffee and you don't have cash money or, you know, gold or silver, hard metal, something of value, um, you know, do you have chickens? Well, I, I don't eat eggs. I don't eat meat. So it's of no value to me, but, you know, but I'd have to go and then take that and go find somebody that wants a chicken. And that's not super convenient. So maybe that's where things like, you know, crypto and Bitcoin and that kind of stuff becomes more interesting because then we can commu create communities that are independent of those systems, right? The NTF game and neat stuff there, which I'm still trying to figure out. So I think the decommodification de aspect is really important and yet well, for the, for that culture, for Burning Man culture, and yet here in the real world, there's also kind of an important aspect of it because like branding, you know, and obviously I'm super biased. I I'm do marketing for a living and I'm promoting my brand even without thinking right now, you know, just through this podcast, right, is is part of it. It's like building that knowledge. I mean, Burning Man is a brand, right? Like when you say Burning Man, you know what that person is generally talking about. Maybe we have different experiences, but we can relate to similarities around it too, right? And that's the culture. And that's why we have these 10 principles here. So, so interesting stuff. All right. Radical self-reliance. Boom. Big one. Big one. Burning Man encourages the individual to discover, exercise, and rely on their inner resources. How important is that right now? I think is hugely important, right? So many of us, and you know, I'm just as guilty of this as anyone, though I'm working really hard to not be, is being on like the power grid, right? Being depending on food for or someone else for food. The supply chain here, as is the time of this recording, there's all this chatter around supply chain issues <laughs> like well what happens if the supply chain goes down well we don't eat we don't get food from wherever the heck we get it from if we get it from outside the country and excuse me and uh, let me drink some coffee real quick on that thought well i got some local local coffee not local but uh u.s coffee here um yeah so you I, we were we had a nice little farm going in our San Diego backyard, and we were getting some produce, which was really cool. I'm by no means a great farmer, but I, I another thing I aspire to be is to really get better at growing food. I'm trying to learn their hydroponic game and um, you know that whole thing. And now I'm out in Texas, where the weather is quite different than sunny Southern California, where it's always sunny year round and pretty warm. Now it's like it's pretty foggy and cold out, which I actually like a lot. But I don't know about like growing things out here. I don't know anything about – we've only been here a month and a half or so, so I don't know much about anything. And 
so the self-reliance piece, you know, so many of us are so just built into the system and dependent on the system. And then even we talk about financial systems, you know, what with so many people being locked down and uh, losing their jobs or, or choosing to kind of being, uh, and I know it's kind of a touchy subject, but, you know, for a lot of us, and I guess I can speak from personal experience, right? Like, you know, I lived in California. My wife was a teacher. They were literally forcing the shots on people or you lose your job. And now they're making it so that teachers in California, if they quit as a result of this, they are taking away their teaching credentials so that they can't teach anywhere else. They're literally like decredentialing them. That's a real thing. That is, I don't know for sure if they already started doing that or that's what they're now about to do. But, um, you know, we don't, if you want to get the vaccine, good for you. You know, uh, for us, we did not want to get that. My wife has a pre-existing condition and, uh, you know, it's not worth the risk from, from that perspective. And so there's all these things happening and, um, it makes, uh, the, the self-reliance piece is, Where's I going with that? I don't know. Um, it's easy to get off on a tangent with this kind of stuff sometimes. But so we, in order to become more self-reliant, we moved. I guess is maybe where I was trying to go with that. I don't know. And and to live more off the grid, right? We live, now we've got a bigger yard. Now we have a stream in the back where in case the water supply goes down, we have access to fresh water. it have to be filtered. We have some filters that I got. Um, I plan to create some more, we've got some rain harvesting systems on the house, you know, that kind of stuff. And uh, I think that those are neat things that I learned at Burning Man that just kind of reaffirmed for me, the need to just be able to be self, oh, the financial systems, like, you know, people who lost their jobs or quit their jobs are maybe becoming more dependent on, um, you know, uh, I don't want to say welfare. I think they've got a different name for it, but kind of that idea of the social, social, yeah, welfare, I guess, um, EBT or whatever, you know, uh, being able to get help that way. Right. So that's part of it. And then, um, yeah, those are the big ones. So wanted to touch on that. I just heard Elena get home. Makes me a little self-conscious talking about things. But uh, she knows. She knows what's up. So, oh, and then the last one. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. Actually, I'm going to close the door here so I can speak a little more. What's that? No, I'm I'm doing a podcast. All right. Um, But I am going to close the door. Hang on just a moment, friend. Hang on just a moment here. And we're back. All right. Yeah, one of the cool things when I was actually doing the podcast from my car was just being able to speak freely. And it's like, I know you're listening, so I know I'm not in a total bubble, but at the same time, having somebody else physically hear, oops, wrong computer, is, uh, I don't know, makes me self-conscious. All right, radical self-expression. Just radically express yourself freely, Winston. Yeah, no, this is, I'm not in that culture right now, right? I'm not going to run around naked. Not that I did a Burning Man, but I could if I had wanted to, right? And and people do. And good for them. You know, if that's their thing, good for them. Um, I love radical self-expression, you know, as long as it's not hurting anybody or being offensive. And there's some stuff there that's borderline, I think, you know, and it depends how easily one is offended. 
and I feel like I've got a decent tolerance for not being offended, but there's things that are kind of weird there sometimes in my opinion, um, you know, but it is what it is. It's, it's their thing and, and they're not hurting anyone. So the radical self-expression piece is, uh, let's read it. Radical self-expression arises from the unique gifts of the individual. No one other than the individual or a collaborating group can determine its content. It is offered as a gift to others. Nice. In this spirit, the giver should respect the rights and liberties of the recipient. In this spirit, the giver should respect the rights and liberties of the recipient. Hmm. Ah, okay. So I'm taking from that, like, don't force it on someone else, right? Respect their rights and liberties. Just because you want to run around naked doesn't mean you have to go rub up on somebody or, you know, put it in someone's face and, and, force your self-expression onto someone who is receiving it. That's kind of the way I'm taking that, which is good, which is cool. I'm down for that. I agree. Yeah, I love the radical self-expression piece because being in a culture, you know, being in a society, there are cultural norms and acceptable norms and unacceptable norms. And each culture is different. Each society is different, right? And we all kind of by participating in order to participate in society we have to abide by certain maybe limits on our self-expression right like you can't just run around screaming in a library right because that's a place where the culture is you are quiet and you one you know respects the quietness and and everybody else who's the culture of studying and reading and learning and and maybe reading for enjoyment or whatever so being out there i enjoy seeing the way people express themselves right when like dance like no one's looking and one thing one thing that kind of so again, it's been okay. Now I do have to see what years. Figure out what years I went. Let's see Burning Man themes. Let's try that by year, because this will maybe help for those of you who are more savvy with like the timelines of things. Okay, I'm going. Oh darn! Annual events archive. Oh, here we go. So let's start, I'm going to guess 2006 to check that one out. Hope and Fear. Yeah, boom. That was the one. That was my first one. Hope and Fear. Well, I don't, maybe maybe 2004 was. I just remember I went every other year. But I think that was my first. But let's just double check 2004. I'll just put it right at the top. I have to make noises like that so you know I'm still here because you can't see me and I don't want to be quiet for too long because then I get self-conscious that you're not just hanging in there with me. Gosh darn it, they don't put the name of the darn thing like until I got to read this whole thing. Maybe it wasn't. Well, well, I guess since it's not so front and center, I think that um, 
I'll just go the other way. I'll go to 2008, Vault of Heaven. Oh, an homage to this year's art theme, Vault of Heaven. Oh, wait, maybe it was art. Dang it. If it was Heaven and Hell, I think that was one that I went to. But I'll try to talk about other things while I'm trying to figure this out. I just thought it'd be, there's got to be a better site for this because this is kind of challenging to, to click through. Oh, wait, here we go. No. Okay, friend. Well, part of the whole thing. Okay, now it's just driving me crazy. Sorry. First year. No, themes each year. Yeah, let's make this easy. Just list the gosh darn themes out. Why is it got to be, got to go through this whole. Oh, now I'm in, who knows where I am. Okay, I'm lost, friend. Well, fear and loathing or fear and. Hope and fear was one year. Okay, I guess the point I was trying to make was that I feel like one of the things that kind of bummed me out uh, in just the time that I was there, and I'm sure those of you who started earlier or been more years or longer over time, was, you know, one of the things like that I thought was really cool that I really appreciated in the early times that I went was the... And I always have a challenge saying this word, but the anonymity, not being able to be kind of anonymous, right? That's one thing I've always loved about raves back in the day when I used to go to, to underground parties and raves was being able to be, you know, I'm not trying to have people watch me dance, you know, I'm, when I'm performing, okay, that's something else, right? I'm putting on a show, I'm, you know, emceeing or DJing and trying to get people pumped up or whatever, you know, that's okay. Yeah, great. I'm getting paid. I'm dancing monkey, whatever. Excuse me, you know, to to get people hyped and and show people I'm having fun and they could have fun too. But if I'm dancing for myself, I really don't want anybody to be able to see me for the most part. Excuse me, I got a cough. You know, I'm not trying to do it for attention, and and I can feel people's energy, you know, pretty well. I'm pretty sensitive to people's energy. So if somebody's watching me, or even if people are, you know, just feeling people's energy around me is is tough sometimes. So dancing with that is like, it just puts on one more level of self-consciousness for me. And so with Burning Man, I feel like one of the things that was really cool in the earlier years, probably more so than even when I started going, was that people could run around naked and do whatever and not have to worry about somebody, you know, getting, taking pictures and posting them online or, you know, using it against them at some point or just sharing it outside of that community and that vibe and that spirit. And that's, something I know it's darn near impossible to 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 hamper because it's kind of like up to the individuals to respect that. And unfortunately, I think there's people that just don't, you know, and there used to be like kind of, I think, unspoken or spoken, maybe it was written somewhere of like, yeah, you don't take pictures, you don't take film, you don't post it anywhere. So that way it stayed within the community and it stayed within that culture and that vibe. And then, um, you know, and then it just it seemed like more and more that was not as important or not as respected or not as well known. And so it just seemed like, yeah, I don't know. For me, that that's kind of a bummer. You know, that was, huh. Okay. For the past few years, they've included, oh no, it's just in the title there. All right. So I'm scrolling through these as I talk. Um, 
but that was something for me that was like, okay, that's kind of part of the, maybe a lost part of the culture where now somebody has to be more, oh, American Dream, 2008. Boom. Yes, that was it. That was cool because, because um, my friend Jared and I went that year and we drove together. He drove, or we both drove, and maybe we took my car. I don't, it's like kind of blurry. <laughs> I think we took my station wagon. Um, and I just remember as we were rolling into it, well, the American dream, you know, that was just kind of such a huge theme. I, this idea of what is the American dream, right? Like, what does it mean to win? What does it mean to, to live the American dream, to own a piece of real estate, you know, to own your own land and, and people die to come to this country, right? People cross brave the the ocean, you know, in little rafts to, to get here, to flee socialism, to flee communism, to flee, you know, for, for their religious freedoms, to be able to live and die. Like I read this one guy's, um, you know, he, he made it alive, but he's like, he, he left his uh, country, which was communist. And he's like, you know, he was floating in the middle of the ocean for like weeks or something crazy. And he was like, you know, even if I get eaten by sharks or I die out here, I died free. And he was like, just like, he felt free for the first time, just floating out in the middle of the ocean. Right. And he was happy to die on that hill. And, but he made it here, uh, to America. And I think that's the thing that's sometimes lost here in our culture. For those of us who are born here, it's like how good we have it, you know, <sighs> Yes. And uh, for those of us who have parents or grandparents who were those people that crossed the rivers and came here, you know, I, I think those some of us who have those people who've taught us what they went through and told us through um, oral history, you know, their oral history is something I try to remember. I know my history of uh, my grandparents, right, and where they came from. And so, the American dream is is an important theme for me and Hunter S. Thompson. This idea of my friends and I were are fans of Hunter S. Thompson and some of the things that he talked about in his style of journalism, Gonzo journalism, and fear and loathing and uh, that kind of theme. So we had um, Jared had in the window <laughs> in the windshield. I don't know. I'm blanking. It was great. He had a quote in, in the windshield and we were pulling up and, you know, it's the middle of the desert. It's all dusty and flat, super flat and super beautiful, just bright and these white sands for as far as the eye can see. It's beautiful. And this big golden dragon, just big, huge golden dragon just floats by through the desert. We were just, whoa, it was is pretty mind blowing. It's like, okay, we've we've arrived. This is amazing. This is something else. So that was that was my first experience. Once we made it through the welcoming camp and that that fun little experience. And uh, let's see. Well, it doesn't. This guy skips. I'm on culture trip now. The culture trip, and they skip years. But that means what I did figure out from that little experience was that I think the next one that I did was. 2010 but we're getting a little long here in the episode i try to keep them a little shorter but oh metropolis yep that was the next one there was a double rainbow i missed out on i heard people yelling i was in so that year we had uh, jared drove his parents motor home 
And so that was cool. So we lived it up. So the first year we had this massive tent that my friend Dave, our friend Dave designed because he was an architect. And so he designed this crazy, huge um, circus type of tent with this big pole in the middle as kind of the, you know, the big main pole. And then this crazy kind of semi-metallic it's actually quite common now, but back then it wasn't. But a lot of people use it now for shade structures. Back then it was like nobody had ever seen it. And it was silver. So it was kind of almost like tinfoil looking, but but also not. And it was really cool. And so we built, constructed this huge tent out there in the desert. And then under it, we had like five or six tents for each of us to sleep in. And then we had a big tent that was like the community area tent. So that was our first year. And then this, the second year we had Jared's parents motorhome plus that tent. So we had the motorhome connected plus that giant tent with all these other little tents underneath. And so it was really fun, really, really fun. Um, yeah, metropolis life of cities, very cool on a tangent. I saw this cool post on Instagram. I like Instagram for seeing people post cool stuff. A lot of uh, self-expression, radical self-expression on Instagram and trippy cool things that I get into. And and if you want to follow me there, I post some stuff. I try to keep it kind of, I don't know, I do a little bit of radical self-expression there too. I get into some stuff that's not mainstream. And I don't know, I got to kind of feel <laughs> not um hiring or working, picking up new clients and whatnot, and uh, possibly taking some, some new clients and whatnot. I'm kind of, I got to tone it down, right? Cause this is culture. I can't be, and I even spoke with somebody's like, well, that find your flow stuff's kind of maybe a little airy fairy, a little foo foo. And it's like, well, it isn't, it isn't, you know, it's, uh, it depends how deep into the rabbit hole you go <laughs> with it. I've gone pretty deep with it, so I know it can be, but it can also be very mainstream. And if you notice the the word play with streams, mainstreams, stream of consciousness, these kind of things are semi-intentional. And so anyway, the cities and the way cities are laid out looks very much like circuit boards, motherboards, which is interesting. And they were drawing this comparison. I can't go down that rabbit hole here. But anyway... Let's get back to the 10 principles. Communal effort. Should we just blow through the rest of these? Yeah, why not? Communal effort. Our community values creative cooperation and collaboration. We strive to produce, promote, and protect social networks, public spaces, works of art, and methods of communication that support such interaction. Yeah, community. Uh, people working together for a greater good. Cooperation, collaboration. I like to use the word synergy a lot. I'm huge on kind of finding the highest and best for, for everyone and working together. And I think that Burning Man is a very powerful way of doing that, where people are bringing these beautiful works of art. It's appreciated and it's amazing. It's the most amazing art that I've personally ever experienced. That's one of the things I love. I, I really can't wait till my kids are old enough where I feel like I can bring them out there. Elena, I don't think will last out there. We'd have to have a motor home and and do some pretty serious clamping to to be able to make her last out there but they you know again also have like breathing respiratory type stuff so the the dust isn't all great for that but as far as the experience and the art that's uh, the sort of radical self-expression and the art that other people create i would love for them to experience that and the music i'm a big fan of of 
the live music stuff that happens out there. Civil response, civic responsibility, we value civil society. Community members who organize events should assume responsibility for public welfare and endeavor to communicate civic responsibilities to participants. They must also assume responsibility for conducting events in accordance with local, state, and federal laws. Yeah, that's a trippy one, right? Because when you're out there, it's almost like, hey, we're in this community, we can do these things. But it's like, well, you're still also in a country and you're still in a state and a city and a county and there are laws that you must abide by. And some of these laws, they're in this idea of community and culture, right? Society, if you want to live in society, we have to abide by certain things. And if you break those societal norms or cultures or laws, then there are consequences. So that's a thing, that's a thing. All right, leaving no trace. Uh, our community respects the environment. We are committed to leaving no physical trace. I love that one. Just clean up after your darn self, right? That's like should be, and that's, you know, we see these things like cigarette butts was a huge thing for a long time. Fortunately, it seems like less and less people are smoking cigarettes, um, which is good for people's health, of course. And it's good for the environment because cigarette butts being found all over the bottom of the lakes and the oceans, super sad, something that's always bothered me. And, um, you know, just like have some decency, have some respect for where you live, pick up after yourself. And it's something we try to teach our kids. Like don't even leave, don't leave this trash here on the, the, the couch. We don't even let the kids eat in outside of the kitchen anymore because they would leave their snack things all over the darn place. Right. And it's like, no, have some responsibility. If you can't do it yourself, then the new rule is now you eat at the table, you snack at the table, you know, snack in front of the TV or in the living room or anything like you snack and eat here. So that way the trash gets put in the trash receptacle, right? Leave no trace. Participation. Our community is committed to a radically participatory ethic. We believe that transformative change, whether in the individual or in society, can occur only through the medium of deeply personal participation. We achieve being through doing. Ooh, we achieve being through doing. That's cool. Everyone is invited to work. Everyone is invited to play. We make the world real through actions that open the heart. Goodness gracious, that's profound. It's good. Our community is committed to a radically participatory ethic. We believe that transformative change, whether in, I'm going to get all teary-eyed and my throat gets a little closed when I get all emotional like this, it's good stuff. But yeah, participation. And, you know, again, going back to uh, the earlier one for uh, inclusiveness, right? Everybody is working. Everybody is participating. Everybody is playing. We are making the world real through actions that open the heart. Play, make believe is a phrase that I think is so cool. Make believe, right? Oh, let's make believe. Let's play. Well, if you're believing it and you're making it real, it's real for you. It's real for the people who are participating and playing along, right? And that's where we have these transformative experiences. And that's why I think Burning Man is such a transformative experience for so many people, myself included, is because we're all make-believing. And it's just, we're, you know, kind of separated from society and their norms and their, you know, whatevers. Who cares? We're over here doing this thing and it's a community effort and we're each being responsible for ourselves. And I think that's something, again, here in the, in, outside of the Burning Man, but in our own societies, wherever we are across the world, we have that kind of opportunity 
And maybe it's challenging because you don't, maybe you're the lone burner in your area, but then you have those regionals, right? Where people who are on that same vibe or can get with it, can appreciate it and come together on some kind of regular basis, hopefully, or maybe it's a one-off, but maybe it's, it becomes a yearly tradition instead of a monthly or a quarterly and being able to find those people and vibe with them and reconnect with that vibration, I think is what a lot of us are doing in different ways nowadays, um, you know, post or post COVID during COVID, whatever, you know, yeah, uh, whatever you want to call it, um, without physically being able to be together in some areas where there's maybe restrictions on how people can come together. What does that participation look like? Are we still are we still inclusive or are we now saying, oh, well, you can only participate if you do X, Y, Z, right? Uh, I think that's, a, I think that's something fascinating and, you know, that gets into some touchy stuff, I realize, and that's kind of the part point of my podcast is to, to get on the touchy stuff and say things. And I've shared for people that have been listening for a long time for my show or listened through a lot of episodes, I think that's something that, you know... The reality is I do have a lot more listeners now. I do get a lot more downloads. And I don't say that to boast. I say that to let you know that I'm more self-conscious in terms of sharing my thoughts. Because because whereas like before it was like, hey, I'm just doing this podcast and I got, you know, my five friends <laughs> that listen and it's cool. You know, or like maybe nobody's listening and it's okay because I'm just saying this because I just got to get it out of my head. Now it's like, okay, yeah, there's really people that listen. There's really thoughts being shared that maybe I don't want everybody to know the way I really feel about something. But part of the whole reason I started doing this was so that I could be honest and that people who feel the same way could see, hey, I'm not alone. You know, hey, this this guy, Winston, seems to think the same way. And that gives courage, I think, to people who maybe do feel alone or like they're the only ones that think a certain way or have had certain experiences. So I try to stay true to that to the best of my ability. Okay. All right. Last one here. Immediacy. Immediate experience is in many ways the most important touchstone of value in our culture. Mm. We seek to overcome barriers that stand between us and a recognition of our inner selves. The reality of those around us, participation in society, and contact with a natural world exceeding human powers. No idea can substitute for this experience. Wow. I read part of that again. Immediacy. The immediate experience is, in many ways, the most important touchstone of value in our culture. We seek to overcome barriers that stand between us and a recognition of our inner self. So becoming more recognized in touch with our inner selves through immediacy, being there, actually experience it, doing the work, doing the play, meeting people, self radical self-expression, cleaning up after ourselves, uh, supporting the culture. Gifting, right? Just joyfully gifting. And and I feel like that's an experience of karma, right? Being able to just give freely and knowing that at some point it will come back around to us, but not being attached to it either, right? No idea can substitute for this experience. So thinking you know what Burning Man is because you've seen pictures online or you know somebody who went and you've heard the stories is different than going. That's for sure. That's for darn sure, right? Um, and that I think is true with so many different things. So 
All right, I've gone on. It's uh, been a fairly long episode. I do have things in this world and this society, value to create, things to do, money to make, right? I got to do all those good things. So it's been fun. It's been real. I think I touched on the big things that I had in mind or the big ones. The big ones, gifting and the 5D ascension process, if you will. My personal thing I feel like is uh, that just kind of came to me earlier today. And I want to share that with you. So, and the radical inclusion, you know, be, can we still do that? Can we still be inclusive or do we have to segregate people based on certain things? Read between the lines, friend, you know, does fear, has fear gotten between us? Well, if you're fearless, if you're radically self-expressing yourself and you're self-reliant, you're not depending on someone or something else. I think that ties into it, right? It's like, who's telling us to be afraid? What's telling us to be afraid? Do you believe it? Do you buy into it? Is there maybe some kind of financial motive behind that? Some kind of power grab motive behind that? And if so, what's the what could you do about it, if anything? What do, what value does your attention have on that and your mental energy and you believing and make believe, right? If you buy into it, if you believe that to be real, then aren't you co-creating that reality, that experience, that kind of culture of fear and non-inclusiveness of segregation, right? Or if you are looking beyond that and looking into a culture of radical inclusion and radical self-reliance, radical self-expression, being who you are and, and you know, respecting the, the, the receiver too, right? Like not forcing one's ideas upon somebody else and forcing one's own self-expression onto someone else. Hey, you want to... Uh, you know, it's like, I don't want to say it, but I'm going to say it. You don't want to wear a mask? Great. Um, you do want to wear a mask? Great. You do want to get, uh, you know, certain things put into your body? Great. You don't want to get certain things put into your body? Great. You know, where did that, where does that line come? And I think if fear was taken out of the equation, would it be, would it have the same impact? Would we be having the same conversations or the same experiences throughout across the world right now? What is humanity on the brink of? Is something really exciting happening underneath the scenes? Is, is this all just a, a LARP? What's going on with our culture, with, with the United States, with all the countries across the world, with our species, with humanity? What is this all about? Why are we here on earth? What is the point of it all? Are we here just to, to work on <sighs> you know are we here just to work a nine to five job live and die on a hamster wheel to make other people rich is that why you came to earth? Is that your radical self-expression? Is that your radical self-reliance to rely on a paycheck that somebody could fire you from on a whim and replace you in an instant? Is that why you're here, friend? Really? Is that what you think? Then you're right. Then you're right. But if you're here listening to this episode still, almost an hour into it and all the ramblings, there's maybe something else. Maybe some part of you says, no.
no, there's more to it. No, I'm here for something else. Maybe you know what it is. Maybe you don't. Maybe you've already found your flow. Maybe you're still looking for it. Maybe you're looking for a sign. You're looking for some random podcaster across the interwebs to say something that resonates with you and says, yeah, you know what? There is more to this whole thing. Yeah, I do remember when I used to make believe and it seems so true. I would lose sense of, of what people told me was reality. I used to pretend. I used to imagine. I used to have you know friends that, that we play games with, right? I, I used to not have um, whatever. <sighs> all right, all right, wherever we are. Whatever you're doing, friend, I hope you're doing it well. I hope you're being radically inclusive. You're gifting your gifts to the world, whether they are physical, monetary, spiritual, emotional, radical self-expression, just being who you are, right? Be the change you want to see. Be the person you want to be. You 2.0, you 3.0, whatever level you're at now, right? That next level you, becoming it through the work, through the play, together, leaving no trace. <laughs> Having a civic responsibility to the civilization of our community, right? And and to each other, especially folks who are maybe in positions where, yeah, I mean, it all gets touchy. It all gets crazy and touchy. And it gets scarier the, the more, you know, the more people who uh, tune into it, I guess, on the one hand, right? It's like, and that's, so it is what it is. You, you can read between lines to whatever extent you feel there are lines to be read between. <laughs> Participate, friend. Play along if you feel so inclined. All right. Well, I appreciate you. Hopefully you received whatever you received in a good light and uh, in positivity and love. I love you, friend. Take care. And until next time, my friend, be flowing.